Hello and welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. Jennifer Barter started her struggle with lung problems as a teenager. Everything seemed to affect her breathing. The humidity, strong smells, cold air, how much she ate, and even the inhalation medications that were supposed to make her feel better. Jennifer knew that she needed to learn to trust God completely. She started spending time reading the Bible and getting to know God better through communicating with Him in prayer. Jennifer knew that God was going to heal her, but she was not sure how He was going to do it. Today on It Is Written Canada, you will see how God not only healed Jennifer physically, but spiritually as well by strengthening her faith and fulfilling each promise He gave to her personally. Jennifer, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Well, thanks so much. It's been a joy meeting you, and it's a real privilege to be here. So Jennifer, can you tell us when you started having lung problems? Mm -hmm. uh, when I was about 13, I started having some odd symptoms, um, a little bit of shortness of breath, and I would wake up in the morning, my eyes would be just puffy for no explainable reason. And initially we thought, oh, it's allergies or something, and I got allergy shots. And then uh, my mother ended up going away for about a month because her father was ill in New Zealand. And when she came back, um, because she'd been away, she could see a great change in me. I'd lost weight. I was only 13. I should have been you know, healthy, growing. And um, so that sort of started the investigation into what was going on. I had a lung abscess, um, so I was hospitalized for that and then um, ended up going to sick kids uh, right at the beginning of high school, grade nine. And that was a challenging year because new school and I was uh, in the hospital for two weeks at sick kids twice and spent my 14th birthday there. And so that was kind of tough. They didn't know what was going on. They, they couldn't diagnose what was going on. They did tons of tests. Um, they put me on prednisone to stop the inflammation because clearly something was going on in my lungs. It was probably um, an autoimmune response that was triggered somehow, we don't know how, where my body was attacking my lungs. And then when I was about 19, um, I had a respirologist at this point, and I kind of wanted to know the prognosis of how things were going to go. And up till this point, I knew things were serious because everyone seemed concerned, which caused a lot of fear and you know anxiety for me. I didn't know what life was going to be like, but I knew it wasn't. It was the future didn't look that great. And the respirologist said, "Well, it is possible that you could have children. You may have difficulty. Um, hopefully." you could be here till I re reach the age of 18, um, but you won't live to see your grandchildren. And he said, there'll be probably 20 years, you know, 10 good years and 10 bad years. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by 10 bad years? Well, you, you know, in a wheelchair kind of thing. So that was kind of a lot to handle at that age when you're just looking forward to life and so on. 
Um, and it, it kind of overshadowed my life from then on for a long time because you just don't know when you're going to die, <laughs> basically. So you were 19 years old when that happened. Mm -hmm. And so you, you were going through this ongoing mm -hmm. trouble with breathing mm -hmm. for you. How did you do it? How did you get through that journey? Initially, you know, as a young person, you don't want to be different. You, you, you just kind of deal with what you have to deal with and you pretend everything's fine. And that's sort of how I did high school. Um, although there was four flights in my high school of stairs. It was a big, very old building, so the, the ceilings were high. And I remember thinking, how am I going to go from gym in the basement, which I couldn't do. I, I, I didn't do gym. I just did the health part because <laughs> I couldn't run or, you know. And then to go upstairs to art class on the third floor was like, it was really tough. And, um, but my, my mom would sometimes, or someone else would drive me to school. Sometimes I would walk. Um, but gradually things kind of stabilized for a while, which was good. So I was able to live life and do okay. I learned to be very careful and figure out what I could and couldn't do. And I would, I would just avoid things that I knew I could never run and you know do sports but um, a lot of people didn't actually know that I was sick until later on and then I was starting to get more and more infections and eventually in uh, 2009 I got really sick by this time though I had actually I had gotten married I had we had two children so God really blessed considering I was taking some pretty powerful drugs. I was, they put me on uh, prednisone when I was 14, which is a, a cortical steroid to reduce inflammation because that's the inflammatory process was what was causing all the damage in my lungs. I was getting a lot of scarring, um, which caused me to not be able to breathe. So at this point I could, uh, I, my body was learning to adapt. But by the time it was 2009, uh, antibiotics, a lot of the times were not, the oral ones weren't working. I had to have IV antib antibiotics. And uh, in, unless you have to be, um, unless you're hospitalized, you have to have a, like a, a pack around your waist, has the little bag of the antibiotic, and you have a, a special line in your arm, and they just connect you up, and the pump automatically does it. So you can kind of live life. But being on antibiotics, I mean, if you've ever been on them, it can make you really tired, and uh, there's, there's side effects and so on. So that was challenging. And the puffers that I was on, was, they were not always working as much as they should or are supposed to. And, um, and I was also finding that the medications were actually causing more side effects. I'm not sure why that is, but it's probably because my lungs weren't Again, they weren't functioning well. So my lungs were, at this point, were about 25% of capacity. And I was on oxygen for 24-7. And also they were suggesting that I get a lung transplant. So Jennifer, what kind of support did you have during this very difficult time? Well, of course, I had my family. And I had some amazing friends. Um, 
Meta was one of them, and she, she and I were spending a lot of time at this point getting into God's Word and really, you know, praying together and seeking God. And she came over one day and said to me, you know, you should ask if God is going to let you live or die. And I was a little shocked and taken back, I'll tell you. And she said she'd been praying about it and, you know, and how to, you know, support me and talk to me. And she said, you know, you're dying. And of course, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not dying. <laughs> I, I think I was a bit in... in um, Denial. Denial, exactly. And so I kind of took that and then she said, well, you know, we could pray and I, I agreed. So we prayed together and I had the sense that God wasn't going to let me die. But because I'd always so, sort of thought that. But we did pray that God would confirm it. So the next day I was on my own and I prayed again. And I, as I was praying, I heard very distinctly a, a distinct voice. And it said to me, do you believe I can make you whole? And without even thinking, I said, yes, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And I didn't think about what I was saying, but it was a scripture and I had read it before. It was from Mark 9, the story of when um, a father comes with his child. He wants his child to be healed, comes to Jesus. And, and Jesus says, um, all things are possible to him that believes. And the father's crying and he says, I believe, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. And after I said that, I heard then act on it. And I was just amazed. And I sort of, it didn't really think too much about what then act on it means. But I did discover later what it means. And God showed me in the Bible, <clears throat> in Romans 4, 17, part B of that verse, it says, God gives life to the dead and refers to things not yet in existence as though they already were. So as far as God was concerned, I'd been praying for healing. It was a done deal and I was claiming his promises. I had already seen a promise in Psalms 30 and it said, um, I cried unto the Lord and thou hast healed me. I have healed you, which is in the, in the uh, present tense. So this verse explains that God, you know, he doesn't live you know, in the present, the past, and all that. He lives in that simultaneously. It's, it's a different realm for God. And, uh, and I needed to believe that I was healed, even though it wasn't manifested yet. And so then I was telling Meta about that. She came, she came over and I was telling her about it and I was so excited. We were standing in the kitchen and there on the counter, she picked up my Bible. She opened to Mark 9 and showed me, you know, the verse in Mark 9, 23. And then on my counter, there was two little bookmarks that I wasn't even aware were there. They were paper bookmarks. And one of them had Mark 9:23 on it. And the other one had um, Jeremiah 29:11, which says, I know the plans for, for you that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And it was like God had confirmed that he wanted me to live. He planned for me to live. He had something for me. 
um, more than once. It was like three times. So that was extremely encouraging. And I needed every speck of that encouragement because when you can't breathe, that's all you can think about. And I would sit. You know, I, I, it got to the point where I, I just could just sit and um, not do a lot of things for myself. But we had a tremendous amount of support of individuals coming and helping. And we had a PSW come several times a week because uh, my husband was working full time. And eventually, um, I guess September 11th, 2013, I believe, he, uh, he just had to quit his job to stay home and help me because I was on oxygen all the time just, you know, to survive. It was, it was a very, very difficult time. So, Jennifer, can you tell us um, about one specific incident mm. that God really spoke to you yes. um, on your way to prayer meeting? Yes, I was on the way to prayer meeting one evening. This was in early May, and I was just driving along, and I was just talking to God, and I looked over and I saw this large maple tree huge maple tree and it was silhouetted with the sort of the sun behind so it looked and it had no leaves so it looked very stark and very dark and I just kind of said to myself that tree looks like dead like my lungs and I just heard in my spirit yes but in the spring it's going to be full of life and covered with leaves and I'm I was like yes that's true and I'm like oh wow this is this is, you know, God clearly talking to me and encouraging me. And I was thinking, well, maybe he's going to heal me in the spring, this spring. So um, as it turned out, my tree was a very late bloomer and I kept checking it as I'm driving by. And the trees, the leaves did come out, but uh, unfortunately my, my health continued to decline. So the image of a tree, mm -hmm. that gave you hope mm -hmm. for the future but you were struggling to breathe through all of this. And uh, a, a lung transplant became very real. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, they eventually decided that I should get assessed, which I did. That was a whole week long series of tests. We had to go to Toronto and stay there. And after that, um, we had to wait for, the, for them to approve it. And after that, they said we had to, I had to go and do exercise three days a week in Toronto for the first month. And then until transplant, I had to have exercises uh, once a week uh, in Toronto and two days a week uh, where I was. So that meant we had to drive all the way down there. And that was just hair raising at times. We were exhausted. My husband was exhausted. He was still working. So those days he had to take time off to take me down there. And you have to have a support person to be on the list anyway. Um, and that's about an hour and a half <clears throat> to do that, the exercises. And we also had to have appointments uh, with the doctors in between. And then we had to drive home in rush hour. And I was on oxygen, we had to take tanks of oxygen. There were no rest stops that could, a helper could go and help on the way. Um, so it was, it was a, it was really tough, tough time. I found that when I was going through that really, really difficult time, um, what really helped was 
not only my friends' prayers and everyone's prayers, my family, but uh, claiming God's promises. And for instance, um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And there's so many others. And that, that helped me get through. Also, um, I was praying one day with my friend Tamara, and we were going to pray about how God was going to heal me. Um, my other friend Andre had said that there's three ways God can heal. He can heal us miraculously, He can heal me uh, with a transplant, or He can allow me to die and, you know, I'll be healed when I, the resurrection. Uh, and I already knew that He wanted me to live. So it was going to be either miraculous or transplant. And I wasn't keen on transplant because of all the rejection drugs and so on, which can cause a lot of side effects and other issues. So, but I was willing for whatever God's will was. And as we were praying, um, I had a vision and I saw my tree standing on a hill and then I saw I saw it lift, like I saw the trunk lifting out of the ground and the, the roots were hanging down and it shifted. And there it was the, on a hill with blue sky behind and then clouds and rain and then the clouds went away and bright sunshine. And so I was thinking about it and I thought, okay, that's clear. God desires for me to have a transplant. That's how it's gonna go. And at that point, I. I accepted that that was, that was God's will for me. And, um, but it was very encouraging to know that he was still with me and he was using the, the tree. So now you get the transplant, you mm -hmm. have a new set of lungs. What was like, that like for you? Mm. Yeah, okay, so it, well, it was a 10 hour surgery and uh, I came out with uh, five chest tubes and on a ventilator, of course catheters and they had these big um, things on my legs to, that they're like um, big massaging things because of course the risk of um, blood clot is high when you're just lying there and also I had, there was 10 pumps with all kinds of different concoctions <laughs> going in and uh, I was I was very out of it for the first while I think the first 24 hours I was still very sedated. I wasn't aware of anything. And after that, I also had a nasogastric tube put in because I couldn't, I couldn't eat. And they also had trouble getting me off the respirator. I was on for about two weeks. Then they put a, um, a trach in and I had that for a little while and I had to be weaned off that. That, that was a challenge as well. And and also I had to learn how to, when that came out, how to talk again, because my breathing was totally different when, when you can't breathe. You, you talk in very short little clips. So, uh, and it was amazing to be able to breathe and talk. And my friends and my family are like, you're not, you know, you're not coughing. Your voice is, is clear and strong. It was, it was amazing. It was truly amazing to be able to uh, just have a whole new life. It was literally a whole new life. And uh, I remember on New Year's Day, 
I was all by myself, and I just sensed God's present presence so strongly. It was just overwhelming. It was like, like I was surrounded in this cocoon of love, and I just felt um, I'd been given a whole new life, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I, I really felt healed in so many ways. You know, there was no fear. And even though I had a long way to go, but I was incredibly determined. And I worked very hard to get strong, walking and, you know, doing the physio and so on. And they actually called me, um, uh, some of the doctors and nurses were saying I was their miracle. And, and I did give God the glory because he fulfilled all the promises that he had given me. It was truly amazing. Jennifer, can you tell us how God used you to make a difference in other patients' lives? Mm. Well, it goes back to the tree vision um, of God showing me that there was going to be, after transplant, there was going to be clouds and rain, and there definitely was. There was a lot of complications, and after I got out of the hospital, I was back in uh, four times within just a few months. But during that time, I, I came to realize that God is a bigger picture than what, you know, it wasn't all about me because I was determined to be well. So I would get dressed in the morning and, and I would go off when I wasn't like hooked up to, well, sometimes even with the IV pole. And I would go around the hospital, the very, I got to know different parts of the hospital and I wanted to exercise, of course, and I also just wanted to get out of my room. But I would see all kinds of patients and people, because I walked outside even. You know, I'd go around the, the block, and uh, there were so many people that needed encouragement. I could see that were really struggling, and I just felt impressed to talk to people and pray with them, and I had so many amazing experiences. It was, it was really cathartic, and my husband as well had the same kind of experiences where he was he would just and it was a savior for him as well to be able to go and help others one day uh, after my transplant we were um, we had to come back and forth to the hospital for three months after transplant we lived in toronto and uh, i was coming in for exercise or leaving after exercises and as i was leaving there was somebody coming in getting dropped off and she just reminded me of myself. Her husband dropped her off. She was in a wheelchair. She had oxygen. She looked like she was having a really rough time. Her name was Christine, is Christine. And um, I just said, you know, uh, about just almost three months ago, I was where you're at right now. You know, I couldn't breathe. I, could, I, could, I couldn't even shower myself. And she said, you know, she was in tears. And she said, you know, that's where I'm almost at now. And. Uh, she was, she was really struggling. And I just felt impressed to encourage her and tell her how, you know, God had helped me. And she said, I believe that God sent you today. And uh, it was interesting because the exit that, an entrance that I saw her at was not the usual one I went to. My husband and I were talking. He was telling me about uh, some people he had encouraged that day and that morning we had pr we had prayed together that God would use us to encourage somebody else 
and th this couple ran up to him as he was parking the car and said, we've been looking for you for two days. Our daughter got, got a, a, a liver transplant because he had been encouraging them beforehand. So, and then with Christine, I was able to stay in touch with her and give her the promises, God's promises, that had encouraged me and help her to get through her transplant and afterwards because I'd gone through it. And as a result of that, we, we had a couple of miraculous meetings after, like in the, in the, um, in the lab when we didn't pl plan to be together and we saw each other. And we, we discovered that my husband had already met her and her husband uh, without even knowing it because he didn't know what this Christine looked like. And, and it's just so many wonderful things that aren't coincidences, you know. God's plan and even now Christine and I continue as friends and we stay in touch and she's doing very well. Thank you so much Jennifer for sharing your story with us uh, before we end I wonder if you can pray for our viewers there may be someone who is really sick right now uh, or someone who is is just feeling like giving up hope mm -hmm. and they need our prayers so you can you pray for those people that they can have hope in God's promises the way that you put your faith in His promises. Sure, sure. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of life. And your desire is that we prosper and be in good health, even as our souls prosper. Lord, you've given us so many precious, wonderful promises that we can claim. Lord, we know that you're a personal God and you want to reach each person where they're at. Lord, and go on their journey with them. Father, you have promised to never leave nor forsake us. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And we praise you and we thank you. And I pray, Father, for anyone, Lord, who is struggling just now, that they would reach out to you because, Lord, you are waiting to hear from them. You long to help them. And I pray that you meet them where they're at. And I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Canada today. Uh, it's just amazing how God gave you that vision and he promised in the end that there was going to be mm -hmm. sunshine. That's right. And there was sunshine, yes. not just for you, but for the way that you helped others. Mm -hmm. And so he clearly gave you the sunshine. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Friends, the Bible promises us in James 5.15 that the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And in Jennifer's case, that certainly held true. However, you may have discovered that God does not always say yes to every request for healing. Our free offer for you today is Healing Prayer, which explains why God does not always say yes to every request for healing. It further discusses the importance of submitting to God's will and the relationship between miraculous healing and physical remedies. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. You too can experience the fullness of life found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God.
Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.